Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast. A podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. Today, that's Critical Role. Uh, excited to jump in, but first, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I don't even think I introduced us. I'm Will. That's Blake. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Hey, look at us. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I'm good. I'm good, my friend. It is a cold, wintry um biting day it's a monday very dreary Uh, very dreary and dark um how about you how are you i'm good man i'm good i've uh i feel like i've gotten like a lot done today i've had my coffee you know just kind of going boom 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 down the list so yeah feeling productive feeling good so far yeah i can excited to do this as always yeah i'm a little stressed because i have my list too and i feel like i still have like a bunch of stuff left on it so um but the good news is after today though uh it's a very light week so nice well you know mondays nobody likes mondays anyway so you're getting all the the gunk out of the way and then it's just coast time so yeah i like that silver lining yeah and you know we you and i already chatted earlier today talking about uh the mighty nine two shot if you guys didn't see starting this next thursday we're going to be chatting about that with a special guest actually won't spoil who it is but a special guest and um other than that will and i have been meeting and chatting about some potential D &D content maybe some i don't know i don't want to spoil anything but the the wheels are turning. If you guys like D and D and you're looking for more D and D, we might have some content for you guys in the near future. Yeah, I like that. I like that tease. That way, we're not <laughs> we can't uh, under deliver if it's if that's all the teases. So yeah, yeah, uh, and you never hear of it again. So. That's right. But anyway, uh, campaign three, critical role. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I I figure we're have, don't have any, other, have any other announcements, right? We can just jump into it, right? Or do you yeah. have anything else you want to share? No, I'm I'm good to go. All right, cool. Well, uh, if you haven't checked out our channel before, what we'd like to do is we like to, because it's long-form content, we'd like to start out our uh, discussion of the episode with a little recap action. It's where we talk about what happened on the episode, and we try to keep it to about 15 minutes long, and then we take that recap and we splice it out and put it as some separate video. So if you're checking out that video and you want to see our full discussion or you want to share your own thoughts and theories about the episode we'd love for you to click the link in the comments below and come let us know so um will why don't you hit us with the name of the episode (laughs) i got you this was episode 40 of campaign three compulsions okay yeah that's what i was gonna say too i'm just pulling my notes up real quick everybody knew you were i just wanted to i just wanted to say it (laughs) all right so episode 40 opens up with this continuation of this awesome cliffhanger from the previous episode which if you remember uh, imogen was in her dream and she saw her mother and the episode ended with her casting sending and reaching out to her mother where she heard 
her mother's voice, Imogen, speaking back to her. So the episode opens up again, and they have this very vague, ambiguous dialogue where Imogen is basically like, are you are you okay? Like, where have you been? Like, can I see you? What's going on? And her mother, Liliana, is like, ah, I'm really sorry for what you've had to go through, but I chose to leave because this is for the best. And it's best that you stay away from me and my destiny. You just need to run, which echoes the um, uh, what we keep hearing in Imogen's dream of her mother's voice saying, Imogen, run. Um, there's some dialogue with uh, um, Marisha Ray's character, um, Ladna. And it's a bit of a disappointing conversation in the sense of like, we don't know anything more about my, about Imogen's mother other than that she is alive seemingly and is somewhere out there. So um, having said that uh, they decide to go up on the deck and kind of share uh, what's happened in Imogen's dream. And they basically come up to the top of the deck to see the chaos of this battle <laughs> that happened. It was like, what the heck happened around here? Um, Chetney in his elastic underwear, uh, now back to his normal form and where in the previous episode, the flare of Rudis had forced him into this um, kind of crazy kill you uh, rage uh, in his werewolf form. Um, so there's kind of this back and forth where Imogen shares uh, what happened in her dream. Uh, and meanwhile, Chetney is also sharing about how uh, it is Katha that grants him the gift that he has, and yet he's never had Ruidus cause him to um, have this itch that was uncontrollable before. I'm pretty sure, and William, you have to remind me, I'm pretty sure Fern does an insight check of some kind, uh, but I don't remember the outcome of it, but there definitely was kind of like this, is this really the first time this has ever happened? Yeah, um, I think, no, we don't know who, what deception or whatever was involved, but I think she didn't like learn anything from that insight check. Like it was yeah. just like, yeah, that seems true to you type of thing. Yeah. Um, they also chat. There's some questions. I think Chetney asks, you know, does your mom know you have powers? Um, they're kind of also putting together, okay, Imogen's having this thing with her mom. Chetney had this thing happen with Ruidus. We know Fern is Ruidus born. Um, who's next? Who's the next person to have like this weird Ruidus yeah. interaction? And there's even a joke of like, well, Orm has the, <laughs> the moon tattoo. Maybe it'll be Orm. Uh, but they actually do decide to go wake up Ashton and FCG to kind of let them know what's happened. And uh, there's actually a really cool interaction between um, Ashton and Orem, where as things are kind of dying down and relaxing, Ashton's like, hey, Orem, are you, are you good? Like, are you okay? Um, and it's just kind of this really sweet friendship moment of... Uh, Everyone kind of thinks, or at least I do, Orm is kind of like team the team's dad. <laughs> like he's like the most yeah. wholesome character. Yeah. And Ashton's kind of basically like, hey, just know like you don't have to like keep it all together. Um, you can ask for help if you need to. Um, so we kind of have a nice little, you know, moment. Uh, and then the night ends. Um from there, uh, they have a couple more days of travel. They actually pass by Basaras again, and they can see uh, the Death Wish run uh, up in their skyship. Uh, and then the next morning, uh, it's FCG's turn to roll uh, in terms of what happens for the day. Yeah. And FCG's character says a prayer to the Changebringer for like, let me see a sign, and rolls the dice. I think it was a three. And here's this rustling 
he sticks his head out the window and sees this I think Matt describes it as like a dog bird creature <laughs> and it is a cockatrice in fact there's like a dozen of them and combat ensues they all rush onto the deck they begin fighting these cockatrices and one of them actually like pecks or, or bites um, FCG and Matt describes him like turning to rust and becoming uh, immobile and there is a special characteristic of these cockatrices where if you fail your um, I don't know if it's a wisdom or a constitution saving throw you actually become petrified and turn to stone <laughs> so that's happening to him combat ensues um it's pretty you know fun and chaotic i think ashton like literally one shots one of them um there is a moment in this combat where like as they're fighting uh ladna does her form of dread and we talked about this in a previous episode how it seemed like she might have a new patron and that seems confirmed she does a form of dread and it was something like these bramble roots or like wood like rotting wood coming out of like her body yeah. um, very sun tree-esque uh but very cool uh chetney summons turmoil with the keyword done and is surprised with how um lightweight it is and FCG also has a turn where he has his whole turn and then Matt, either he or Matt reminds him that he was actually turning to stone and he was like, all right, never <laughs> mind, <laughs> pass. Um, what actually gets really cool though is they realize that these cockatrices aren't swarming the ship to attack. They're actually running from something and there's this cool moment where this dragon's head claws up the side of the ship followed by a goat head and a lion head. It's a chimera that has come onto the ship and the bigger battle ensues. Um, there's some really cool moments in this combat. Imogen, seemingly using the 400 gold ruby that she got last session, summons this bionic red wispy creature, this this construct of some, some kind or aberration, and it does um, it attacks the chimera and also does psychic damage. I think also there's a moment where Chetney also suffers psychic damage from it. Um, so that happens. Uh, Orem continues to be like freaking awesome with how he describes his like physical combat. Um, Fern actually fails her check from being petrified, but then remembers that her fae ancestry gives her advantage and she shrugs it off. And I think we even got a section where uh, Mr. loads the poop into his poop gun and <laughs> fires it at the uh, Chimera. Um, all that to say, eventually Fern makes her way over to one of the ballista that are on the ship, uh, fires it out to the um, Chimera, and I think hits it with like a natural 20. It's like an insane amount of damage, like 40 or 50 points of damage. And she gets the, how do you want to do this? Um, Chimera is killed. It falls off the side of the ship. And uh, that's basically what happens. They ask Imogen about this aberration that she has. And she's like, I don't really know where it came from. I don't really know um, how I summoned it. Uh, but all that to say, they decide to continue to travel until finally they reach the gloomed jungles below of the Ashanador. And that is where we take our break. So, so yeah, to you, for the second half, we pick back up and it's the next day of travel. And uh, Ladna is the one who's rolling for today. And uh, I don't remember exactly what she rolls. I want to say a three. Um, but Matt describes this storm rolling up on the ship and Xandas says, you know, we need to wait this out. So we're going to lose a half day's travel. Um, but, you know, enjoy. We're going to be chilling. Uh, 
So the party in Chetney basically start discussing the Gorgini and if, you know, could these people be potentially allies or, you know, what can I, Chetney, learn from them? Um, and he says that the Gorgini don't have to accept him and that in the last group he was with, there was a definite pecking order and he sort of got kicked out. Um, when they're discussing all of this, he retells the story of how he was first bitten by a werewolf um, in the Savalier Wood. And he says, you know, I was just living, surviving off the land, hunting, trapping. Uh, and there's some more insight checks that uh, happen here. And as far as anyone can tell, he is once again telling the truth. Um, a werewolf seemingly got trapped in one of his traps that he had laid out and he didn't realize and it bit him in the ensuing combat killed the werewolf and then this group that was hunting the werewolf come by and decide to give him a chance to you know get his new right. gift under control but they were like you know we will come and take care of things if you can't you know basically letting him know that he can't isn't free to go around biting people and everything um so Chetney is like, yeah, so basically I just have to submit to whoever can teach me and hopefully somebody can teach me here. Um, the party then looks around where they are stationed currently as they're waiting out this storm and they notice there's like this uh, kind of abandoned in rubble tower, some sort of base that has been left to get overgrown by the jungle. And they're like, well, if we're sitting here anyway. How about we just go check this out? Um, so they throw over the ladder, go down and make their way into this abandoned tower. Um, it's still a few hours from dusk, which um, the way they contact the Gorgini is to howl at dusk. So they decide to just kind of sit and chill and wait for dusk. Um, once it hits, Chetney transforms into a werewolf and lets out a howl. And there's about an hour, uh, an hour that takes place here. And about, I think, halfway through, uh, really, it's not important. Chetney says, hey, everybody else, like, howl with me so we can be, you know, louder. And once that second party howl happens, they do hear howls back in return, but howls from like different locations. Um, <clears throat> a little while passes and they soon notice that something is approaching them. Um, a cloaked humanoid type figure steps forward and it's revealed that it's a were tiger and they're like, you're yeah. surrounded. <laughs> Tell us why you called us before we end you basically. Right. And Chet says that he seats an audience with Diva Sheila and this where tiger says you found her. Uh, Chetney says, Hey, we were sent by Ajit from Jusar. Um, I hail from wild Mount and was told that you guys could maybe help me with my condition. Uh, Diva Sheila then snaps and more figures kind of emerge from the jungle around them. Uh, there is a were Panther, a were boar, a were bear and more werewolf. Um, Diva then asks Chetney to like prove it, like prove you're one of us. And so, chetney transforms and he's like oh yeah the rest of them it's they're not werewolves it's just me and diva shield is like okay well can you guys keep up uh in the jungle in this weather at night and they're like uh maybe and so basically various members of bell's hells jump on various uh members of this where where like they're not all wolves, but the wares, right. I guess, which jumps yeah. on their backs <laughs> to travel through the jungle. Imogen lets Xandis know with a telepathic message yeah. like what's going on and to wait for them. But, but then this whole group heads out seemingly back to uh, Diva Sheila's and the Gorgini's camp. Um, and they're taking like a zigzaggy, darty path through the jungle to kind of hide. 
the location a bit from Bell's Hells. They ultimately arrive and they all drop their were forms. Uh, and we find out that the were boar is a man named Uther, a human man in his 50s. Uh, the panther is Manad, a scrawny gray orc. Um, one of the werewolves uh, becomes like a green dragonborn. And finally, Diva Sheila turns into a human woman in her late 40s. Uh, she says, welcome to Barnock. Uh, and this area is basically just a collection of jungle tree houses with like rope ladders and rope bridges. Um, there's gardens. Uh, and it's basically just this kind of hidden commune within the jungle. And Manad says, if you reveal this location to anybody, we will hunt you down and kill you. And Divashila's like, yep. And by the way, my name is Annaline. Uh, Divashila is just a password yeah. of trust that we use and also a name that I once had. Um, Chet introduces, you know, the group as Bell's Hells and says, I'm here to learn. Um, he also lets them know about his recent interactions with Ruidus and asks if that's something that they deal with, uh, deal with as well. And uh, Anna says that that's like a particular itch, but an itch all the same. And, you know, it's grown in recent times with the flares and um, I want to call it the the eclipse, yeah. but that's not the right word. The uh, uh, solstice. Solstice, thank you. With the solstice yeah. approaching, the itch is getting stronger, but it's something that, you know, you can master. Um, and she's like, I can tell you've actually have already had some experience with hemocraft and she's like but there's still much to learn over the coming weeks and chetney's like well i don't really have weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a quick seminar you can give me yeah <laughs> and she's basically like this is a lifelong discipline and it's going to take a lot of time and focus to master um she does say that most people here aren't masters of hemocraft though they're just individuals looking for protection from society and a basic means of like living a somewhat normal life while keeping their condition at bay um they find out a bit more about the gorgini and that they used to be nomads but the court of the lambent path made this agreement with them so they could occasionally settle and take jobs um they also find out that they basically embrace the guidance of asayadon which is like this human beast uh powerful spirit that guards the jungle um, it's a protector of both predator and prey, uh, with its goal being to just maintain that natural balance. And she is a champion of the Wild Mother. Um, Bell's Hells then are introduced to this gnomish man named Tarad, and he basically feeds them and tells them a bit more about the community, how people come and go, um, and some have to be put down. Uh, because once somebody loses control, there's basically no coming back. Um, he says there's been outbreaks in the past and the Gorgini are basically dedicated to prevent, preventing that from happening again. And he's like, they use meditation therapy. We also chain people to this tree if, you know, they're not strong enough to control themselves. And, um, Annaline then jumps back in and is like, all right, I think we have something that could maybe help you that we'll try in the morning. We're going to go to the temple of Sidon. And if you're lucky, Sidon will meet with you and, you will either be excised of this itch or you will be excised. <laughs> He's like, you will be challenged and judged. And the rest of the party is welcome to go with you, but they may or may not be welcomed like into this challenge, as it were. It depends on Sayadon. And so the party's like, okay, well, sounds like a plan. And Annaline's like, you know, we'll be heading out tomorrow, so just make camp here, but like, don't get cold because the journey's going to be rough tomorrow. 
So the party then makes camp for the night, and that's essentially where the episode ends. Uh, once again, episode 40 of Campaign 3, Compulsions. All right. And if you're te- checking out just the recap, click the link to see our full discussion. And again, we want to know what you think about the episode. All right, Will, what'd you think of the, the episode, my friend? I liked it, man, as always. Um, I, uh, I'm so interested and excited to see about this Sayadon trial. And so I'm kind of like, ah, because we got to wait like a month, basically, for the next right. episode of of campaign three um but i liked it you know basically kind of a continuation of last week we're sort of in a in a more chill you know lull like we've talked about in past episodes um we got some more downtime some one-on-one some great one-on-one convos that i uh really enjoyed and then it was just really cool to to meet this commune of of wares so uh interesting episode i just i'm just sad that i have to wait so long to to get this next enticing bit that we learned about totally yeah it really is like yeah like a month let's see one two yeah a month one two three three weeks well a month from last thursday yeah right sag um but yeah, what I about would you? Give, i'd give this episode it was okay that's what I'll say. The okay, okay. It's, I give it a. It was just okay, in in the sense of total bias of waiting a month. I think looking back, like dropping a bucket, episode forty, I'm gonna be like, oh, that was a great episode. Like if someone was to rewatch campaign three, they'd watch episode forty and be like, yeah, that was a fun app. But like me, like I've built up like the storyline so much in my own head that I was like, <laughs> what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen, man? Are they going to go to Ruidus tomorrow? <laughs> are they going yeah. to episode? Are they getting in the Spelljammer episode forty? <laughs> you know, just thinking about like what's going to be the cliffhanger right. for the next four weeks, and uh, we didn't get that. And which I can't fault them. I mean, they're just playing D and D, having fun. Um, but definitely, it caused me to walk away being like, ah, oh, man, nothing really happened. I mean, stuff did happen. A lot of scene setting happened. Yeah. But I'm just bummed I got to wait four weeks. And so, um, and bro, I totally forgot in my half of the recap, Orem's uh, message to Dorian mm. totally makes me wonder about could we get um, a Dorian return? But in general, though, we got to wait a month till we even get the message back. So, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, that, that's all fair. Um, you know, I definitely was, not that I expected really to just be firing off on all cylinders with Imogen's mom. Uh, Cause you know, that was like the big cliffhanger from last week that we were wondering like, where's that going to lead if anything, um, which it led to about where I expected it to. But you know, like you said, we didn't really get any of the like super juicy, like boom, big drops because her mom's back in the picture, which, you know, that's coming eventually, but I definitely can understand some of the, some of the the expectations kind of being like oh you know we didn't none of that yeah happened. and her mom yeah, there was so much build up with her mom that it was a little disappointing that there we didn't get more there and like even laura bailey seemed a little disappointed until matt cast sending back to her to kind of kind of bow tie the conversation just a little bit more um which I don't know if Matt maybe wasn't ready, wasn't expecting the sending to her mom and was kind of like, oh, um, or which, you know, I'm knowing Matt, he's so overprepared. Um, 
you know, I it's probably just not the right time, I guess, for that storyline to go any farther. But definitely me personally, after so much happening for Imogen and her backstory, it was kind of like, oh man, like it feels like there's so much more to say. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It it also just makes sense, I feel like, from Liliana's character to be that way though, you know, like she ran sure, away yeah. for a reason. Like she's not just gonna you know, expel, expel everything in this moment from having gotten a message finally. But, um, I, all that being said, I hear your, your criticisms for lack of a better word. Um, and those are completely fair. Uh, cause it was kind of a, just a chiller up, you know? So, right. I don't, I, don't, I forgot where I was going with this <laughs> where, when, when I started this, but anyway, point is, um, you know. So what do you what do you think is going on with with old old Liliana? Uh, is it possible she works with Adahan? I think so. I I think it's possible. I'm not like I don't. I wouldn't call myself fully on board that train yet. Like for my money, I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but I definitely think it's possible because it seems like. That that's something we talked about. Regardless of whether Adahan is a metaphor for the storm, and that being like you know that memory we talked about last episode, not going to get into that again. But kind of regardless of that, it's clear that Adahan is after rudest born people, seemingly, or is at least interested in them, if not after them. Because clearly, in that fight with Bell's Hells, she wasn't really even trying to kill Imogen necessarily. She was trying to like provoke her to let go right. um and as we know her mother is also rude born um clearly has similar gifts if not like the exact same you know we don't really know how this works um so i think it would make sense that odahan was after liliana and you know we know liliana ran to try to protect her family uh but who's to say that odahan didn't catch up with her eventually and maybe she's either you know being used in some form or fashion against her will or maybe she's even doing it willingly but just doesn't want this life for her daughter um yeah so that was a bit long-winded but i definitely think it's possible like i even like i don't know where where do you kind of land on this yeah no i was just looking for um she says i'm sorry it's hard i'm sorry for cursing with this burden i left i left because i was a i was a danger i couldn't stay without knowing what i am um, I love you more than ever you know. That's why you have to run away from me, Imogen. Run as far as you can. And then there was one other line she said. Let's see. Um, I thought she said something about her destiny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't see me because you need to stay safe. And the further from me you are, the safer you'll be. Far from me in this destiny. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like Liliana has sort of accepted. I, I don't really prescribe to the... um like she's a prisoner of Adahan, but I could see them working together in some aspect. And like, maybe she's just accepted. Yeah. This is what I'm destined for, you know, and uh, the most I can do is like protect the blowback towards my family. Um, yeah. Bless you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but I mean, little does she know that like 
destiny has arrived all the same like you know her and right. her and imogen didn't really get to talk about it but i think if they did her mom would realize that she's still like she has the same gifts you know which who maybe her mom did know before she left you know i don't know like what age or what abilities imogen might have like shown shown little sparks of while the mom was still around um so that's one thing i'm interested to know is if she has any idea that Imogen's like her in those ways. Um, but one thing I, I thought was really cool that we got, I'm going to say hard confirmation of based on the way she was speaking is that, you know, all these dreams about like run, it was never run from the storm. It was run from me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It does seem like that. That's what well, I take at least. Maybe both though. Maybe her mother is the storm. Yeah. Yeah. Or not even necessarily literally, but we've talked about like Adahan being the metaphor for the storm. Maybe it's maybe it's Liliana, or maybe maybe it's, it's Liliana as part of this whole yeah, this destiny, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, not so. not that like she wasn't referring to the storm, but that like she was referring to herself at least as well. You know? Yeah. Um, right. Which I maybe I'm dense, but I throughout this campaign so far, I had never really considered it that way. I'd always considered it like run from this danger, you know, not run from me. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I'm still really liking the theory that Adahan maybe came to her town at some point and like recruited Liliana, um, which I, I know, I don't know where you felt on this. If she, cause I think there's maybe a conversation like with the, the gang about, like, oh, maybe has it been your mother like speaking to you then or something? But I still like the idea that like the Imogen run isn't like her mom actively in her dreams. Cause I right. think that's, that was the comment. Like, is your, was your, maybe your mom's been there. But I like the theory that Adahan came to her town and like her mom, it's like a, it's like a regressed memory of her mom saying to run or something. But yeah. I mean, either's fine. I'm just thinking out loud. Oh, yeah. I still like that too. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of what ifs still here. I mean, we were just talking about if if they were working together. I still think it's possible that maybe you know, obviously, that they weren't as well. You know, and in that case, right. has she just been living on the run for twenty years? And what's she been up to? That seems less likely to me, but I still think it's possible. And. In that scenario, I wonder if she's, or even in either case, I guess, I wonder if she knows the Nightmare King or has had any interactions with, you know, the Unseelie Court or, um, you know, just uh, Surplus Assembly. There we go. Uh, which she definitely. I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I I was just gonna say I don't really have anywhere like concrete to lead with what I'm saying here, but these are just all like the questions I've been. She definitely seems about. kind of, re I mean, we're like, so like, you know, digging into like eight words that she spoke, but it <laughs> did seem kind of resigned to her fate though. And it's, you can kind of trace yeah, yeah. a little bit of, we know she was at EOS part of the study. Right. And so I guess at some point, maybe that spiraled out to maybe getting noticed or getting seen and being recruited by Adahan or being, becoming part of something. I don't know, but wherever she is now, it seems like she has this is the destiny that I'm part of. And it, the best thing is for Imogen and everyone I love to stay away from me. That's a good point. You just made me realize though, is that study that could potentially be how Adahan found out about her. 
right which would be interesting because uh, that would potentially mean that she didn't run from Adahan. she just ran because she knew like stuff was going on and then later Adahan came into the picture um because i mean i mean anything could be possible at this point we're just kind of firing in the dark but there doesn't seem to be a a way that we know of that like Adahan can like sense rudisborns or just like you know so that study would make sense for how she one maybe originally found uh liliana but two maybe led her not in the same time period but ultimately led her to the loomis twins because they were the ones like inquiring right. about that study and stuff so i don't know some nice connective tissue potentially there um but yeah i'm just i'm rambling about this now but I do wonder if that professor is dead or alive, though. I feel like he's got to be dead unless he's like working with her, where oh, with Adahan. Okay, that's interesting. Because I mean, yeah, so why I was, thinking... was he studying? I mean, it could be studying it for purely scholastic reasons, but maybe was st- maybe that person was studying it because they were trying to like do yeah. whatever Odahan's doing now. Or maybe he's like in hiding with the Grim Verity. Was it wasn't yeah. the Grim Verity like the? um yeah the like secret yeah society type thing the scholars but what was it with the loomis twins they had like decided like to join or something or like they joined something or were considering it it. but didn't like someone like maybe the guy at the manor for the you know the uh heist didn't the guy who was meeting them like suggest that like joining the, the grim verity had like implications on like almost like they dug too deep or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He that implication was made. I don't know if that was like directly tied to the Verity or not. It might have been. I just don't remember. Well, but that's kind of where I. Sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no. I think they just dug too deep into this. Okay. Into this rudest stuff. Because isn't well, isn't the guy we met um, in Basarus who wasn't he part of the Grim Verity? The guy in Basarus. Who was hiding like in like the hideout, like under oh, the ground with uh with Fern's mom? Yeah, I think so. I think he was. Which yeah, okay, yeah, because I think the Grim Verity was is also like the Loomis twins. They were looking into this, right? So that put a target on all their backs. Right. I might be misremembering, but at least that's making sense to me right now. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm just Googling Grim Verity because... um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is great. Um, (laughs) So Astani was the guy from the heist who told us. Um, He was a member but had left a long time ago. Um, And then Hondir was the guy in Basaras who tells tells them that half of the Grim Verity has been killed in the past decade by the Grey Assassins, mm. which we know to be Adahan. Right. So Adahan's been killing and has killed over half, including the Loomis twins. Um, dude, we're, all, we're connecting it all, man. We're bringing it all <laughs> together, you know? Um, and let's see what else it says. Which has to um, be because they're looking into this, right? I mean... And confirmed that Khadija Sumal's study that included Liliana Timult was a study run by Grim Verity members. Okay. So I'm guessing he's probably dead, or at least on the list, then, the, the scientist. Yeah. 
very interesting. Anyway, okay. Bro, that is some interesting details. So maybe Adahan, she's trying to kill off the Grim Verity. She finds this study and is like, hold up, I don't want you guys to know this. Starts chopping people in half and then takes <laughs> Liliana as a... Maybe Liliana was the first. Maybe Liliana was the first she recruited of the Ruidus born to join her crew. Mm, okay, I could see her... I thought you were going to say like the first ever, which I don't think is the case, but the first she recruited, I could see that. Right. Assuming that she has in the last decade been recruiting, just like she tried to get Imogen right. to join her and like accept, assuming that she has been slowly, you know, because we know the storm, Imogen has the dream of seeing the shadowy figure where two more jump out and then two more. Yeah. Um, so it's the, this crew is multiplying. And so maybe Adahan, maybe Liliana was the first she recruited, and since then they've recruited several more. Yeah. What for? What is the plan here? What does she want? Yeah. You know, the numbers, I, what do they mean? <laughs> Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on the right track here at least. Um you but, guys will have to let us know in the comments. Yeah, for what sure, do y'all think? You guys are thinking. I feel like there's always someone like Ness or someone else who like hits the absolute banger of like a a theory, and then you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> we need, Detective Ness, we need you." That's right. <laughs> Give us the answer. <laughs> but okay, so to wrap it all the way back to kind of where we started here, for your money, do you think the mom, regardless of intent? Or, you know, being coerced, do you think she's working with Adahan? Yes. I think she's a bad guy. Not, mm. I think morally gray, bad guy. I think she's helping build the Death Star, whatever that would mean. And she Ooh. urged, she urged Imogen to leave her alone because she's working with Adahan and she just doesn't want Adahan to know that they've been in contact. Oh, and she does know that Imogen has the gifts like her. And so she knows that they would want her. Yeah. Now that's interesting. If, if the mom is like, not the big bad of the campaign, but like Odahan works for Liliana, that would be interesting. I don't know. But if that were the case, I, I, Odahan must not know, which would make sense if Liliana is trying to keep Imogen safe. But cause you know, you would think that, Liliana would not be given the okay for her to be murdered by uh or I mean I guess again like we were saying Odahan wasn't really necessarily trying to murder Imogen but I don't yeah know. she was trying to kill Imogen she yeah. you know think if you're think about this if you're Odahan you stumble across Liliana this Ruidus born and and notice also not all Ruidus born are born equal Fern right. is very clearly different than Imogen in terms of like the well of power that they have so you you're Adahan, you come across this woman who's part of a study who has these psionic incredible powers and then you find out there's another one her daughter um i think absolutely what we said earlier she's trying to recruit imogen maybe for even more nefarious purposes that she ever intended for liliana mm. you know it's like why do i need you i got the younger one at home you know whatever <laughs> whatever that line is yeah yeah, I just there's so many so many things I want to like reach out and grab, but like 
I still feel like I'm just shooting in the dark based on because we don't really know what their goal is with Ruidus. Like maybe, yeah, maybe none of them are in charge, and the freaking entities on Ruidus, whoever or however many there are, maybe are. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't even know why I'm just randomly spouting right now. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, want to know who's in charge, who's pulling the strings here, because there's so many powerful entities. Because I mean. Everything we just talked about aside, we have the crazy people in the Unseelie Court who have like a hundred names that are involved. The Cerberus Assemblies involved. Like they're definitely not all in this together. Uh, those are all entities that are definitely looking out for number one, you know? So it's like, do they all just have their own plans or is Ruidus one way or another like manipulating the strings and just bringing all these people together to serve its own purpose? I think was. I think what's difficult is so much, so much of the next like story development of each of these organizations directly relates to the Apogee Solstice that's coming, which I, again, we knew it was a month away. And then Matt said like, oh yeah, it's still a few weeks. And it made me think of your joke about the, I don't know if it was like Traveler Con or something, yeah, yeah. but how it like kept being like, oh, it's still a few weeks. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, so we're having that happen a little bit, but, um, but so much of each of those organizations seemingly next story point it feels like it revolves around the solstice i think about the nightmare king the unseelie court um you and coming back for the moontide crown uh what Adahan and the paragon's call have been prepping for and there's a lot happening it it kind of makes me wonder how matt will fit it all in so to speak at that apogee solstice event because um, we're building to this climactic style event right and so i'm just very curious as to like what even could happen you know yeah it's interesting i mean i feel like just in terms of a the the narrative and the story that's being told there will be like a, a, an encounter for lack of better words during the event so I, I think there will be but honestly there might not even be like something like bell's hells might just be with themselves wherever they happen to be that day and it's just like well i don't know where like because there's several entities out in the world taking advantage of this event right so even if there is an encounter with odahan let's say and let's just say they're successful everything could still hit the fan because of one of these other parties that's trying to use this for something right yeah like katha blows up and they're like oh <laughs> that's probably bad Yikes. <laughs> so you know, this is, I don't want to get too sidetracked on this right now. Uh, and the answer to this might already be, well, this is just going to sidetrack us, I think. I'll say what I was thinking, but we don't really need to spend time on it. Okay. I wonder if what's going on in this Mighty Nine two shot is at all, could it all be connected to the Solstice in any way? I think knowing nothing about the Mighty Nine, <laughs> that... <laughs> And not even really knowing how to pronounce the names in the like promotion for it <laughs> or even what is happening to me, this because calamity was this worldwide event that, that took place in a multitude of areas. Um, you know, Vasselheim, uh, Avalier, Wildmount, um, in the sense of the, um, uh, what's his name's, um, throne area, evil castle being built sorry i'm butchering yeah. it yeah but point being we're having another seemingly world defining event it feels like this mighty nine two shot is going to be 
something simultaneously happening that may not even get resolved in this two shot. I don't know. Yeah. And like I said, maybe this information is out there and, you know, we're just throwing spaghetti at the wall for no reason. But I don't think they've said when it takes place. Now, it's possible because we're like several years, the end of campaign two compared to where campaign three picks up, I think is several years later. So for all I know, maybe this takes place several years ago in terms of the current timeline of C3. And, yeah, okay. and you know, it might, not that it couldn't have implications even being several years ago. Um, or maybe it's taking place current day. Um, I do have some guesses as to what the story might be for that two shot but i don't want to we can talk we're going to be talking about those episodes so we can save it for then um but just wanted to throw that out there instead of like being like oh and then just not saying it because that would be annoying yeah uh okay um we had a really awesome um chat between ashton and orem yes ashton like every time i'm like dude ashton you're my favorite there's like another episode where i'm like I feel like you change every episode. A lot is my favorite. Dude, they're they're just all their characters are all so freaking likable. Yeah, yeah, man. Totally fair. There is no weak link. Like anytime someone speaks, I'm like, love your character. (laughs) But Ashton having that sort of reverse dad moment on Orum um was just and also I liked too now that we're kind of we've kind of gotten out there of Ashton being like in constant like chronic pain. Like when it gets referenced, it kind of gives like a more, um, it's kind of sobering, I guess. But um, yeah. they, just had a, they just had a really nice, you know, back and forth that I liked. Yeah, I was going to bring this up too. I I love that moment for, for several reasons, just because those character moments are probably my favorite thing about Critical Role is, you know, those about the story, you know, about uh, just those awesome deep RP moments. Um but I just I loved it especially because earlier I think it was I'm pretty sure it was the same episode where they all were like raising their hands based on like who amongst us could like just turn on everybody and kill them and like everyone raises their hands but Orum, which is true and it's uh funny because you know he's like the sane dad of the group, but I just love that Ashton and like you said is suffering from this chronic pain all the time that he uh, eagle eye viewers probably knew it but like that was a lot of surprise to all of us when he was like, I'm always in pain. Um, anyway, to get to the point is that Ashton is keenly aware of suffering in silence. And I think he recognized that in Orum being like, you know, we're all the, we're all the chaos crew and Orm's just like, you know, just sitting there. I love that he used that as his like excuse to come talk to him. Cause he's like, you know, I know that even though you're the good one, you're not always good. So like, feel free to talk to me, you know? Well, you beautiful SOB. I did not put that together. And that was so well said. That's such a great, I love that. That's awesome for sure. So yeah, I just love that, that Talison had like the, the wherewithal to recognize that. And of course, because of who Ashton is, would be the one to make sure and like mm-hmm. reach out to him. And we had, we got some really cool, um, I can't remember that what he said, but he said something like, I've been thinking a lot lately, like kind of reflecting a lot. And he said, um, I've been thinking about things that I didn't think I'd think about like ever again. Like, what do you think? What's going on? Do you think there? I think there's probably layers to that. But the, the first thing my, my mind went to was he has a group again, you know? And I think probably after what happened to him with the nobodies, 
you know, he probably kind of wrote off everyone, you know, ever having a, a family again. So I feel like those are kind of the thoughts, especially coming off having just potentially lost Ladna, you know. Um, so that's where my mind went at first was that. That's great. Um, but what about you? Did that? No, yeah. It's oh, I what, what mine mine goes to is how incredibly talented these people are because you think about like the loner um you know been burned before like kind of half cynical i don't know it just feels like there's so many stereotypical cliche traps in writing that character and i just find myself constantly like pleased by how unique ashton's character is and how like some of those it speaks to like the complexity, I guess, of him and just people in general that like, just because you've had these experiences doesn't mean like now you are this, you know, trope like character, right. but he's had these experiences that many of us can relate with. And yet his character is so unique and complicated. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, every time Talison, you can tell he's put thoughtfulness into his character. Like I'm just constantly surprised. Isn't like really fully the word. Cause I'm not like, Oh, but like, <laughs> I'm just like, it's like, I'm, I, I'm getting to experience the outcome of his good writing for his own character, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally does. And I, it actually got me thinking to how you pointed out several episodes ago now, um, how he and Laudna had that moment in the sandstorm. And it seems like, which this was surprising to me, but kind of Ashton is shaping up to be like the emotional core of the group right which yeah. like you would never have expected at the start of this campaign with like the the jacket that says like fuck off or whatever you know yeah just don't yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um yeah i just i'm loving to see it talison is they all are but talison in particular is showcasing here yeah. just how good he is at at role play you know yeah I, doesn't it make you just want to be like i hope they know how good they are <laughs> you're like of course they do <laughs> so anyway stay tuned for next week where i tell you my next favorite character i guess <laughs> uh, a quick segue here is similarly to just like loving the complexity of characters um i had the same kind of thoughts about chetney this episode uh just because and not that this was anything new but at the start of the episode you know I don't remember the exact context, but he was basically saying how he like doesn't think of it as a curse, what his lycanthropy. And um, I don't know, I, this is about to be a long-winded ramble probably, but I just thought it was so interesting and, and, and cool of his character to be like, you know, this old man who instead, we, we know his coming off of this like traumatic, for lack of a better word, uh past you know whatever is happening with um what's his name the guy in Uthodern. yeah yeah uh something really like something messed up clearly because like that scene with him and that shopkeeper where they were basically both ready to kill each other you know like uh we can maybe talk more about what we think's going on there but point is like some super traumatic messed up stuff probably that he was running away from and just living in the the jungle by himself he described just living off the land hunting trapping um and then getting bit by this werewolf was like a new lease on life you know this thing that most people consider to be a curse like it was his redemption in a way you know it let him kind of come back into society mm. where normally that's what you know removes you from it 
Um, so maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into this, but I just I'm really fascinated by Travis's character, especially because of all that backstory stuff I just referenced, and I'm I just like the nuance he's putting into this, like you know, wisecracking old man. But I there's so much depth there that he's just like thinly showing from time to time. Yeah, and I I think it came from one of the people in the uh, the lycanthropy camp, to put it one way. Of there was even like a comment on there was like a back and forth of like oh like you would even put people down and he was like well yeah the ones who are spreading spreading the the gift to those who aren't ready to accept it and so there's kind of a building on what Chetney said it seems like there's a demographic of people that can recognize the um the the perks i guess of having it and then it's interesting how they see others as like not yet ready or not maybe ever ready um but see yeah he seems because they i like that you said that too like kind of tying it to like kind of like this sort of living out his last days in the wild and finding a new lease on life life because they even ask him too like would you ever want us they either ask like would you ever want it removed or do you ever wish it hadn't happened and he directly says no like no i wouldn't um i think he says i like it um so which there was something else i was going to say about that with chetney oh we finally got also confirmation remember there was back when we first it was like around the storyline with gurge there was some confusion around the gorgini and then this other faction that seemed to be hunting right werewolves and we were like wait so is that the gorgini no it's someone else like who is that that seems like that's that first group that he was part of that he got kicked out of yeah I guess so. And so that's not the Gorgini then. Right. For your money. Okay, he was, yeah. Right. Cause he was right. I mean, I think, I think both probably do that, but I remember us, I mean, I don't know if yeah. we just misread it, but we, there was like a deliberate discussion where no, there's this other faction that will right. hunt, hunt them down. It did, was there a name that was ever out there that, we just can't remember right now or was there never a name and that was part I don't of the think there was never a name remember. yeah i don't think there was ever a name okay just so. to map this out for anybody else that's wondering what we're talking about or really just for myself honestly there's so there's now three factions that chetney is involved with whatever was going on in uthodern is one faction the the master craftsman if you will that he got kicked out slash left then there's potentially this first group of hunters that encountered him when he first got bitten. Right. That he got kicked out. Right. And now there's the Gorgini. Yes, I think that's right. I Because it could be possible that group one and two might be the same. Because the story for both of those is that he got kicked out. Right. But I thought he got kicked out of the f- in Uthodurn because they were moving to like metal and like... Yeah, that's what he said, but I don't believe that. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. That is what he said, though. And they I tried think... to like ship him off to Marquette to like. I don't know. I don't know. Oh wait, I think you're right, actually, though, because we it was he was getting, he got shipped off to Marquette for like, you know, to find like the master craftsman, but then we found to out find actually Gurge. he was, he was, was actually the, finding yeah. Gurge. So yeah, maybe he was sent to find Gurge to get direction on how to control his urge so yeah maybe they were the same group that might make sense hmm. i don't know i was i'm leading hmm. to that they're not now because you said that <laughs> which it's possible that they are and kind of to instead of just raw speculation here to bring this back to a point 
even everything I just said about, you know, him getting bit and getting the new lease on life. I'm still not convinced he's telling the truth, even though there were a bunch of insight checks rolled, which I think I don't I don't remember off the top of my head if we were aware of the numbers. And if we were, then we know if he was telling the truth. So this might all be a moot point. Um, but I'm still not convinced he could be telling the truth, because what if if they are the same group, those groups one and two, wouldn't that Im- imply that there was some level of werewolf already happening then? If what do you what do you mean? Like, um, I wish I knew the person's name so I could be more concrete with who I was talking about. But like the the Uthodern thing. Well, but it, isn't the guy that he hates? Is he really? Is he directly connected to the group he got kicked out of? Or See, I that's he what I'm not someone, sure. Of. I thought it was just another woodworker that he hated or something. I think that that is what it is as far as we've been told. Yeah, it's but hard I, to keep track when he says woodworking <laughs> if he means like raging wolf killers or if he means like because <laughs> there's so many euphemisms for this yeah. that I'm just like you know which is it? Maybe it was the alpha in the previous group is that person? Yeah, because he because why did he get kicked out again? We don't really know. He got like slipped up, and then they asked him like he talked about the pecking order order, <laughs> and they said, oh yeah, because you're a tattoo, and he said, well, it says respect the alpha, recognize. Um, recognize the alpha and you know it was kind of always this um you know joke on chetney stroking his own ego but um maybe it's a mark maybe it's a brand or something that he has to wear i did i am interested if there's more to that um than just you know what he said recognize the alpha but i did like that little moment in this episode where he was like you know it's not about like like being subservient to the designated alpha it's about recognizing the alpha in yourself and so i liked that kind of like because he was i don't know who he was talking to maybe it was imogen but he was kind of like using that to motivate them Um, yeah anyway i don't want to get too in the weeds here but just to kind of to pinpoint one final thing with this there is the the person he hates right which i wish i could remember their name right there's that person which could just be an isolated thing the question I'm interested in that you kind of teased at, I wonder if that person he hates is connected to the group he got kicked out of, or if those are two separate things. That's. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. There's so many questions yeah. there. I could, keep I was going, trying but... to pull up his backstory to see if it was in here. Um, here we go. Altgar. There we go. So yeah. yeah, was was Altgar the person from the hunter group, for the lack of a better word, or was that was Altgar another part of his life before he ever got bit? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, and we may even so know they, the answer to that. At but. some point, he had a disagreement with Chetney, whom he mentored. Um, over a change in direction, Chenny says that involves the materials they used. Um, this disagreement escalated until Chetney messed up Oldgar and was chased out of the city. So maybe getting kicked out has to do with Oldgar. Yeah, and clearly there was that other person that he ran into that also hated Oldgar. 
you know so to me it doesn't check out that they were started using metal and you know to me it seems like altgar was doing something like maybe they were assassins or something you know and yeah anyway i don't want to get too yeah lost in this so i also i love the fight with the chimera that whole thing was really cool flavor yeah Um, and i do do you know who ronan is when matt said ronan is that that? uh travis and laura's kid yeah so i thought that was fun that's cool uh and then love the message orm is so good Liam, Liam, Liam is so good at like recognizing those sweet moments. Mm-hmm. I, I regret that I didn't mention it in the recap, but when he pulls up the sending stone, hey, Eos bound, found them, their killers, bigger than we thought. Real rough, Dorian. Esteros is dead. Glad you're not here. Wish you were anyway. I didn't watch um, EXU season two, um, so I don't know how that one shot or two oh, shot Kymel. ended. Yeah, Kaimal. I don't know how it ended, so I don't know where Dorian is supposed to be right now but we should we should do we should do an episode on that during like an off week or something yeah i need to watch it still so um yeah that was really sweet though i love that too and i'm wondering clearly we're gonna get a voice message response from robbie matt said as much um but i'm wondering if if maybe this is if we are leading up to a robbie appearance um not necessarily soon tm but like i don't know i think i think liam slash orum is just doing that because it's true to his character and he he's creating those yeah. little moments i don't think liam's doing that to prepare for a robbie appearance but i could still yeah. just see that not necessarily well, for the solstice but i could see robbie maybe coming back um sooner yeah, rather than I mean, later for those of you who didn't watch EXU, I mean, they're best friends. They spent, you know, a year together almost. Um, so it does make sense for him to be reaching out to Dorian. Um, but it does coincidentally keep the character fresh in the audience minds. Yeah. Um, and also the party dynamic felt really good with Dorian. So I'd be, I'd be open to him coming back as well. Um, it's been great (laughs) since then, but still, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, also, um, we didn't mention how uh, the court of the Lambent Path had struck a deal with the Gorgini right. to like get jobs, like in order in exchange for protection. We mentioned this last episode too. I love how like this intro to the whole campaign of this apex war between the Stratus Throne and the court of the Lambent Path. How these things have kind of come back up again. Um, Interestingly enough, we never got much traction with what was the like the evil organization in Drusar? Oh, uh, I've Ivory Syndicate. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. But, uh, but yeah, Quarter Lament Path might get some details there. Maybe like why the Apex War happened, and then I guess currently they're in the Gorgini Bar Bar Barak Barnak. I think Barnak. Which yeah, it's interesting um, that the that the Gorgini have this relationship with the Court of the Lambent Path, which kind of nicely puts them, and it's it's way more complicated than this. But if Odahan, who fought with the Stratus Throne, is one side, we got the Stratus Throne. Now we have the Gorgini that might join with Bell's Hells in the fight against Odahan. If if those if those ally lines still run through that same path, it's just. Uh, Right, some potential wanna, there that they might be on the same side in the grand scheme of things. Do we know that Adahan fought for the Stratus Throne side? 
Yeah, because that's okay. uh, she became the legend of the peaks because of um, the where the Stratus Throne is. I can't remember the name of the mountain peaks off the top of yeah. my head, but it's because of the Coven Peaks. I want to say maybe. Yes, you are correct. In the Talon Highlands, which is where Imogen's from. Right. So, so yeah, I uh, I think I think this I think that war has a lot to do with everything that's going on, you know, not, maybe not directly, but I think that, you know, none of this is a coincidence that kind of, that was the set piece to open the campaign with. And now we are getting all these entities that were involved on either side. Mm -hmm. I think there's more, more to uncover with all of that. For sure. It's interesting also that the Gorgina are connected to the wild mother. Yeah. So, I don't know where that's going to go, but it's just an interesting detail for me. Agreed. And, and the spirit, I think you mentioned, is a champion of the Wild Mother. Um, right. That was a great detail also. Which yeah. begs the question, is lycanthropy, lycanthropy, is it a gift of the Wild Mother? That's interesting. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm very interested to see, because they, they referred to Sayadon, or I hope I'm not butchering that. Sayadon is the... Yeah, the the spirit or whatever they kept referring to it. You know, when it first was introduced, I thought it was maybe like their god, but then we found out, like you said, that she's a champion of the Wild Mother. So is this like an actual entity that is going to be like addressable, <laughs> or you know, because at first when they talked about like this ritual and stuff, I just imagined it was like that a ritual that they do. But the way they kept talking about it made it seem like yeah, if Sayadon's cool with y'all, you can be there too. Yeah. <laughs> As if they, there was gonna be like this literal entity that they like address and interact with. Um right. Which well I mean you know Yeah, I don't know. I mean it would be the party's first interaction with deity, I with a with a deity so far. Um which I don't know if campaign soon if there was much interactions there, but I know campaign one, there was a handful. Um, so I don't know. And it could be interesting also if this interaction with this champion of the Apache Solstice, if it's less about, hey, Chetney, you're cool, man, and more of like, hey, I'm glad you're here. I need to tell you about something that's coming with the Apache Solstice. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's like, oh, good, you're here. Like, yeah, you need, to, you need to go do this or something. Yeah, I mean, I literally don't know what to expect, uh, but I did think it was interesting that the what was said about this whole ritual is that like you will either get rid of the itch or you'll die, essentially. So like, one that's got me wondering what the heck is is undertaken here, and also the fact that. That Bell's Hell, the rest of Bell's Hells may or may not also be right. judged. Like they don't have lycanthropy, so like what's in it for them? Um, but if he is successful, is he just gonna be completely like is it boom, it's done? Like Chetney's never gonna have to lose himself no. again? I, I think it'll be like maybe the um wisdom saving throw will be assuaged somewhat. I mean, it's already, he already, ha he already has to roll only a six or higher, but maybe there's some kind of perk or something. Like Imogen got her feet with the storm and, yeah. you know, um, maybe there'll be some kind of like character detail he'll get. But I think they've made it clear that like this takes a lifetime to hone and develop. True. Um, so, you know, I loved his question of like, 
ooh, we really can't spend weeks here, but <laughs> they just missed the solstice entirely. <laughs> I should, there, was somewhere, there was somewhere we needed to be. <laughs> that was probably not important. Yeah. Anyway, so I uh I want I mean he could die. I mean, what that'd be crazy if that's how this ended up. Didn't he say that like, he's surprised Jenny's made it this long or something? I think so, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I could. <laughs> it beats me. And so it's all <laughs> Travis's plan. He has another character ready to go. <laughs> Even older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's in a wheelchair and they have to just you know push him around. He's senile. It's no longer funny. It's just awkward. <laughs> Travis, why are you doing this? <laughs> He's playing a much older racist character. <laughs> it's really not on brand for us. Anyway. So, all right. Well, let us know in the comments what you guys thought of the episode, but also all these things. We, we talked about a lot today. Yep. Y'all's best guesses, thoughts, reactions. We want to hear about it. Um, and you know, the worst part, we got to wait a few more weeks before we find out what happens next. I know Yeah, we got a, a bit of a wait, but, uh, like we did mention earlier, we are going to be covering the mighty nine, um, two shot. And I know, I mean, I guess I don't know, but I imagine a lot of you probably haven't seen campaign two. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I have not. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> obviously Blake hasn't either. So I don't know if those of you that haven't seen campaign two are, are gonna watch it or not but if you are know that blake's gonna be right there with you and so we'll have both perspectives when we dive into that discussion <laughs> the recap's basically like me being like okay so like wait who's that person again <laughs> and what did they and you're like all right like we've been through this <laughs> so anyway i'm sure there'll be like some amazing moment that like ties in a detail that like goes way over my head i'm just like just great just glad to be here <laughs> yeah so anyway, all right, well, uh, let's do a little thumbnail action. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, like werewolf, but I don't really know yeah, how that, a little, what that looks like. I don't know. It feels a little He-Man esque of like, you know, you're assuming your form or something or it beats me. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, just whatever your mind takes you to for that. We'll just go with that. Okay. You're transforming. Okay. I got it. Wait, no, that feels like I'm like, hang on, hang on. Let me start over. All right, keep going. All right, we got it. <laughs> it's like that time you did the thumbnail and I was like, eh, you might want to do that again. <laughs> I looked at myself and I was like, that's not really what I'm going for. So. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks for checking us out. Remember, we're on pretty much, um, you can find us on TikTok. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on anywhere to listen to podcasts. And also on Twitter, are we are we blue checkmark verified? <laughs> we are not blue checkmark <laughs> verified, unfortunately. So theoretically, any of you could be the pixelists. So that's right. We'll know we've made it when people start copying us. <laughs> <laughs> I make that joke, and then yeah, no one did. So <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye, y'all.